Hi, everyone. This is Steve Wilcox. I hope that you are all well and enjoying our study of Matthew. Today's section of Scripture is from Matthew 12, verses 15 to 21. Let's read from the text. Verse 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. He warned them not to tell others about him. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. Here is my servant whom I have chosen, the one I love, in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out, till he has brought justice through to victory. In his name the nations will put their hope. We find Jesus here removing himself from a challenging encounter with the Pharisees in which he has just performed a miracle of healing in the synagogue and clarified the meaning of the scriptures to the religious leaders. Jesus perceives and is aware that the situation is not safe or at least a time where further confrontation is not helpful and he withdraws from them. Matthew provides us with insight into what is really going on and shows us that Jesus is truly God's chosen servant. This was especially important for the Jewish audience for whom this gospel was initially written. The Gospel of Mark actually gives us a little more information about this section of scripture and says that Jesus relocated to the seaside after this. Ah, we all love the seashore for a bit of peace of mind. Actually, Jesus is also providing his followers an example of what he spoke of in Matthew 10, 23, when he said, When you are persecuted in one place, flee to another. Truly, I tell you, you will not finish going through the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. Jesus practices what he preaches. In verse 15, Jesus gets out of the situation and moves to a safer, less explosive environment away from the Pharisees who are plotting to kill him. But the crowd is still with him. I love the fact that the text says he healed all who were ill. Jesus continues to do the work of healing the sick and freeing those oppressed by evil spirits in a new place. This shows how Jesus has wisdom in dealing with conflict and those in opposition to him. At times, a strategic retreat is the thing to do. More importantly, it shows his ability to stay focused on his Father's will to continue bringing healing and justice to those around him. Jesus chooses to back off at that point rather than to rally to his own defense or to rant against the powers that be or to have a massive display of his own power or cancel his opposition through posts on his Facebook or his Instagram accounts. This is a lesson that our culture really needs to take to heart right now. We certainly are called to address the unhealthy, unjust, and sinful situations that are evident in our relationships, culture, and world. However, we don't need to adopt the methods of the world. We need to learn from Christ's example of humility, love, and compassion. Moving on to verse 16, Jesus also tells those who have been healed not to tell others about himself. Now, I can tell you that if I had the ability to heal withered limbs, walk on water, and turn water into wine on command, I would probably have a hard time keeping that quiet. But Jesus does, and he does so perfectly. This is a huge testimony that Jesus is not doing things for his own self-promotion. Rather, 
He is an example of restraint, humility, gentleness, and love. In fact, it's in verses 17 to 21 that Matthew gives us insight into the prophecies of Isaiah, confirming that this is a very important point. It's a fulfillment of prophecy regarding the chosen Messiah. He explains to his listeners the story behind the events here. In verse 17, he lets us know that the humble and meek behavior on Jesus' part confirms that he is the Messiah. Jesus is the person that was being talked about in Isaiah 42.1. It's a direct quote. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not quarrel or cry out. No one will hear his voice in the streets. Verse 18 confirms he is the chosen one of God, that God loves him, God delights in him, and he is empowered by God's Holy Spirit, whose ultimate ministry is one of establishing justice. A powerful parallel example found earlier in Matthew 3.17, when God glorifies Jesus at his baptism with a dramatic voice from heaven and a majestic display of the Trinity. Matthew makes a direct and unmistakable connection between the prophetic description in Isaiah of the promised Messiah's actions and attitude and the behavior of Jesus. Jesus is who he says he is, and therefore worthy of our devotion and worship. Moving on, verse 19 continues the confirmation that Jesus is not going to draw attention to himself in the way that most people expect. This is so different from what we see being proclaimed on all of the media outlets we have in our modern world. We are constantly bombarded by messages that we need to silence our critics, embarrass them, shame them, and cancel them. We are to be in a constant state of outrage. I think Jesus shows us the better way. Fortunately, Jesus lets us know that God's way is better. I'll just mention one verse to support this idea, although there are many in the scriptures. 2 Timothy 2.24, And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone, able to teach, not resentful. I know I find myself more irritated and angry in my spirit due to our current political, economic, and cultural situations. Jesus gives us a powerful example on how to deal with this from God's eternal perspective and to stay focused on what is really important. Verse 20 gives us a beautiful and poetic example of Jesus' gentleness. If someone is bruised, he will not break them. If the light in someone has gone dark, Jesus is sensitive and will not put it out completely. Rather, he will fan it back into flame. Jesus will heal and encourage and nurture till we are fully healed. This is a beautiful example, one that we can put our hope in both personally and corporately as a church family, as verse 21 ends with. So, what are some takeaways from this section of Scripture? Well, let me just list a few that I've counted. A, Jesus is God's chosen servant. This more subtle example shows God's great fidelity and exactness when it comes to his promises and prophecies. This leads me to trust God and his word more fully. B, Jesus stays focused and on mission despite opposition. Just as the Jewish nation was looking for a promised Messiah, we also are looking for a champion a Messiah, our Lord, and Jesus is the one. C, Jesus has power to bring God's healing into people's broken lives. 
Okay, at this point, I'm going to go a bit off script and get out my prayer soapbox. I would love to see the church exercise more of the power that the gospel tells us we have to affect miracles, healing, and freedom from oppression. From what I read in the scriptures, a lot of this power is accessed initially through prayer. Since my time is limited here, I want to go directly to the triple dog dare regarding prayer. If you've reached a point where things are not happening in your life spiritually, if there are unfulfilled hopes in your heart, or if there is illness or anxiety or oppression, I challenge you to get prayer for that issue. Watermark has a prayer team that is longing to pray for those in a loving and sensitive manner. Take advantage of them. Have the boldness to answer the call to get prayed for during our gatherings. Perhaps find someone who can pray with you long-term over issues that may take time to work out. Also, have the boldness to pray for others that come into your mind, or if God gives you insight into a person's situation. If you're unsure or anxious about this, get some training from Watermark on how to pray or grab a member of the prayer team to help, but act on those healthy promptings to pray for someone and to be prayed for. You will be carrying out the mission of the church. It will make a huge difference in the lives of those who you pray for and in your own. Prayer, many times, is the first way God starts to unravel the messes and oppressions in our lives. Take advantage of it as soon as possible. All right, there you go. The triple dog prayer dare has been thrown down. Will you pick it up? Finally, Jesus's prime modus operandi is love and compassion. Now, we also know that he can confront, he can set boundaries, he can clearly define the rules that God establishes, but he does so with love. He shows us that much more can be accomplished for God and will have more lasting results if we follow his example of thoughtfulness, compassion, and gentleness. Thanks for listening today, everybody. Let's pray to end our time. Dear Father, thank you for sending Jesus to redeem us and show us the way to be restored to you. We thank you for the validation that the scripture presents that confirms that Jesus is who he says he is. We thank you for his amazing power to work in our lives and to stay focused on your plan. We appreciate that he does so in love and gentleness. I pray that we can be more like him. In his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody.